Travis, and welcome to Marketing Unboxed. In this episode, Allie and I had a chance to catch up with Tiffany Souter. Tiffany is the CEO of Element3, a strategic brand-focused marketing agency in Indianapolis that's been around for 15 years, which is no small feat. She's also a keynote speaker and the host of the Scared Confident podcast. In this episode, we talked with Tiffany about fear imposter syndrome and that that voice in our heads that that really prevents us from being great you know it shuts us down uh it shuts down what we can be great at uh but not the stuff that that we aren't Uh, we also talked about how she's come to recognize when uh, fear is starting to creep in how she identifies it and what she does to push it aside and and keep going Uh, and uh, she also provides some advice to uh, young professional women who are just starting out in their careers uh, and considering how to manage a career and a family or someone that's in it and is having a difficult time juggling it all. So sit back and enjoy. Well, hi, Tiffany, and welcome to Marketing Unbox. We're very excited to, to talk with you today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's Friday afternoon. <laughs> it is always a good thing. Always a good thing. I think having podcast interviews on Fridays, uh, uh, it's just kind of how it worked out, but it seems like everyone's in good moods and, and, uh, we have really good conversations. So, uh, kind of lucked out on, on the timing of this. So, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on for you lately, big move. Um, and, and you've got your podcast scared confident. Um, and it, it seems like business is, is going well. Um, so how, how, how is the, the podcast going scared, confident and how long have you been, been doing that? Yeah. So we're talking in what September. So we launched it like the first episode, I think dropped in February or March of this year, 2021. And, um, I really didn't know where it was going to go. Like there's so many things that I more learn experientially than I do like with a plan. Uh, so I knew that I had and it's kind of a journey I needed to go on personally. And I was committed to recording that and sharing much of it, but I really didn't know where it would go from there. So um, yeah, 2020 for all of us, I think was so much. Uh, it sounds like you have a little one as well. I had a baby, I had my fourth daughter and um, there was that we were you know surrounded by a lot of uncertainty. And I, I started to just kind of reflect and look back at, at so many times in my life, fear just tried with all its might to stop me, um, from becoming one more. And, uh, and for a woman, it's, can I be a mom, you know, and have a career? Is it just one kid or, and can I have two? Is it just like, I have so many dreams and so many ands that I want in my life. And I think we all had time to reflect last year. And I started to realize like fear just plays a monstrous role in my head. And I don't think people externally would necessarily say that they experience me as fearful because I certainly don't present that way. And I have, I have lots of authentic confidence and all of that, but I was just wrestled my head. And so I really went on a journey of saying like, how do I once and for all live as confidently as I really want to in the full knowledge and acceptance and understanding of what my fear is. And so I shared that journey. I went on a fear journey. I did a fear interview, which is the first episode um, that I definitely recommend people start with because I think it really sets a backdrop for the whole thing. And so that's really how it started. And 
I think as a professional woman with lots of kids and um, a lot of professional interests as well, I have a lot of people have a lot of questions about how do I do it? And I don't have the time to spend as much one-on-one time as I would like. And so I'm also using the podcast, kind of trying it out of how do I use an extension of sharing with people? What are the things I've learned? Um, what has helped me? What do I still struggle with? You know, what are the hacks I've learned, the people, the advice I've learned um, that can help other people who are interested in going on a journey that looks similar to mine. So did you have a, like a goal when you first started the podcast? Like, I mean, it sounds like the goal was to somewhat like allow people to pick your brain without having to meet with everybody individually. But, um, I know as a marketer, people often ask like, you know, what is your goal in doing this sort of content initiative? So did you have anything or was it more of like, I'll figure it out kind of as I do it? Yeah. I think that in the short term, it was in, in a lot of ways, even to just experience the medium. Um, because I, I, it's like, you know, podcasting and audio is I think really having its day. And I know that I am best when I talk, I think when I talk, I'm a, I communicate for a living. And so it felt like a really natural extension just of the way I operate anyway, and that I'm a real externalizer. Um, and I think first of all, it was somewhat selfish and of like, if I can capture these conversations of these young women that come and ask me these questions so fervently and just record that conversation and share it with people, how can we help people not just dream big, but also operate at a way that it's sustainable? I think we're willing to do hard things, but the goal is to get to a place where you can sustain all the things that you've said yes to. And so um, sharing that was certainly a goal. And then, yeah, the fear journey, I think was a surprise. Um, in a lot of ways, I went on, I did this fear interview and I just found as I started talking about my own fear more, honestly, even to people who are like really inside my inner circle, I, you start to understand this voice of fear when we feed it gets such power. And my goal in life is not only to become something, but to give much harder than that too. And when you remove fear from people's minds, that like stop point and allow them to step fully and completely into who they were made to be, like, what can we do in the world? And what I learned in that process is that fear does not try to quiet the worst of us. It tries desperately to quiet the best of you. And if you think about that, whenever you get close to closest, closer, closest to the thing you're supposed to be, that is when fear gets really, really loud. And so it's trying to shove us into the corners of ourselves away from our true giftings. And I think a lot of people feel stuck there. Um, and so it's certainly helped me unlock, I think, new awareness inside of myself so that I hope I can have even more impact on the things and people that I care about. And I think in sharing that journey, I'm hopeful that it creates just a halo effect where we're all stepping more into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that um, you mentioned that fear kind of protects us from being the best that we can be. And, and I've really started to think a lot about fear and how I react to it and when it shows up and why it shows up. And um, being aware of that has, has really helped me uh, just a month and a half ago, I, I start, quit my director role and, and started a journey of, of trying to, with the goal of trying to build an agency, um, like both of you have done uh, and become very successful at. 
And the minute I, and I, you know, my role was comfortable. It was safe and a good thing to have during a pandemic. I'd been there for five and a half years. The moment that I submitted my resignation and it was real, the fear and the, the doubt and the imposter syndrome just flooded. And, and I just kept thinking, what am I doing? Am I making a, a bad mistake? Um, but I kept thinking back to, um, you know, what I've learned from, from Seth Godin and, and that's to treat fear as a compass that if you start to fear or feel that fear, it, it really means you're going in the right direction. Um, that you need to just kind of embrace it, move past it. Uh, have you, have you kind of felt, felt that way throughout this journey as well? Yeah, I think, um, I used to believe before I went through this, that fear was something I was going to have to perpetually wrestle. And part of my energy was always going to be spent on fear. And then once I got that out of the way and I expended those units of energy, then I'd be able to spend energy on like perpetual, you know, propelling whatever it was that I wanted to do forward. And what this journey taught me is that I am not my fear. Like it literally is, it's, it's a thing that can take occupancy inside my head or it cannot. And I can choose for it not to be there. And now that sounds like very binary and I am a little bit binary in the way that I think. And so I literally be like, I feel fear. I am not my fear. The truth about my life and who I am is that I am for others. What fear usually says to me is like, you're trying to make a really big deal out of yourself. Like, wow, what happens if this thing's really blows up? I bet you're going to turn into like totally jerk that nobody wants to be around. This is going to like change your personality. Ooh, like, look at you too big for your birth. Like fear just starts to be like, make yourself small, Tiffany. And I say like, no, the truth about my life and all of the evidence that exists is that I am for others. That's the truth about me. So I'm not going to listen to it. And I, I treat it like it's not part of me. You don't get to win today. I'm going to move that thought. I'm literally not even going to let you finish your words, fear. I'm done. And so that has helped me be able to actually spend my energy on the things I want to do. I, I, my husband and I, um, in August purchased the company that produces my podcast. It's called share your genius. And that was another. And, and fear wants to tell me you do not have time. Who do you think you are to be a mom and a wife to a husband who has a big job and four kids and an agency and a podcast. You think you have time. It's like, no, I, I can find time if I figure out how to organize my priorities in a way, like I can do this. And fear wanted me to be like, you are really making this whole thing about yourself. It's like, no, that's not true. I believe so much in this woman who is running this company. I feel like I can give her a better shot at growing it and being successful because of all the things I've learned at element three. Why would I not compound that learning and handing that to somebody else and helping her win? What if we do that? But fear was trying to be like, who do you think you are? And I just, I was like, no, we're going to do it. It's clear to me I'm supposed to. It's clear. And so I, I really believed it was about wrestling it. And I think that fear is a compass and that it can tell you it's almost like a heat map of like, I'm getting close to what I'm supposed to be. But I no longer accept the wrestling. That is to me is entertaining it longer than I want to. Um. I'm not even going to give it those reps. It's like, that's not, that's not what we're going to do. 
what did it feel like when you when you put a name to it? Because I know you know Stephen Pressfield has has called fear when it pops up or doubt the resistance, um, and, and it sounds like you've done something similar. What what did that feel like when you finally identified it and and kind of disconnected it from being a part of you and being something kind of more external? Well, I think it made me realize I don't have to be a victim to it. Um, that I. I've just recently learned this language, like the locus of control was with me. It wasn't with fear. And so it just flipped it. I was like, oh, I see. This is like so many other things I get to choose. I can let the record run. I mean, it's very rehearsed. And in the, in the fear interview, you literally say out loud to yourself in the third person, like Tiffany, this Tiffany, that and it was like, if I heard anybody in my life talking to someone I loved like that, you would be like, not only will I not let you hang around, you're never coming into our home. Like you are not allowed close to this person that I love. Why would I let that record play? Like we have to not because that comes in us. That becomes what we believe about ourselves. And when we let those practice cycles run, there's no way we're going to actually advance ourselves. And that's where I started to be like, no, no more. Like I don't, I'm not even going to let it, the record player spin a couple times and be like, okay, now I'm through. It's like, no, it's not going to play. It can't, it can't. There's too much energy to spend on good things. I'm not going to let it work. And I'm sure fear will continue to move. It's not the only thing, but I feel like I know even my physiological response to it. I know what my body does when I'm feeling fear. I kind of can't like taste. I like, like my body speeds up on the inside. I know what's happening and I can just sense it. And that's when I know like, Ooh, something's going on. There's patterns in your head that are playing out, like pay attention. But I know my reads and the way that my body responds to it. So how do you apply that to, um, like working with clients? So you, you're, you know, you have podcasts that you're producing for your clients, you have marketing and, um, you know, I, I'm definitely of the mindset that, if, if companies try to do what's already been done, it, that's how you get lost in a sea of clutter, but doing something different and standing out comes with this giant risk of like, oh, I might offend someone or it might take it too far. Or what if someone on Twitter doesn't like it? Um, I think that, you know, our clients all battle that fear too. How do you talk them through that fear based on what you've learned? Well, I think there's a couple of things there in your question, Allie, maybe one is like, maybe messaging fear, like as far as like the scope of what a brand is willing to talk about. Is that right? Like kind of fear around that. And then the other to me is like, how does fear show up even in like a business that does a lot of client service because you've got expectations and deadlines and hard conversations and all of that. So is there one that you want me to move closer to Allie or am I interpreting your question correctly? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, um, there's definitely the consumer facing brands where they're talking about, you know, should we be part of this conversation on this political issue? And that, and that's not so much of, of really what I'm looking for. It's more like, um, I think to have a strong presence in your marketing, you have to have a point of view and your point of view has to be somewhat different than that of the competition so that you're willing to stake a you know, put a stake in the stand somewhere. So, um, is that something that you've, you've had to kind of help clients develop so that they can, cause they're afraid. I think sometimes they make a stand cause it might shut certain parts of their market off, but actually that's helpful. Cause then right. people know who they're for and who they're, who they're not for. So 
I think oftentimes what we're most afraid of is what's true. Um, and so what I tell clients or work with clients on when it comes to those kinds of things is like, if you're trying to pretend like you want these three markets and you're stretching, I'm going to say your values or you're stretching your product so that your parachute can be bigger. Like, let's all just be honest about that. And either we understand the marketplace is smart enough to to, to discover that and let's go ahead and like save ourselves the cycle, or we need to actually find a leader or find a product or find a partner that serves that marketplace more authentically because it's not true to who you are. And I think that it can be difficult to have those conversations, but man, we live in such a transparent culture. And I mean that in like every dimension and it is no longer we can't ha- like in in a in a review society even in a highly b2b environment we live in a review society we will be found out our val- we have make so many decisions in the daylight because so much of what we do is published through the language and lens of you know our our employees posting on social media our clients talking about us our the presentations that we give at conferences that all of the things are such record of our decision making and behavior you, you're not good enough to 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 keep track of it. So let's just go ahead and make it real to who you are and either figure out how to get your goals inside that market or to find a partner or a leader, like I said, who, who authentically can serve it because let's not trick ourselves. I mean, that's as a brand strategist, my biggest thing is the brand always comes from the heart of the leader, the owner always. And if I understand that person, I can understand the brand. Yeah. And there's friction. You feel this even as a marketing professional, when a, a leader is asking you to take their brand to market, either inside their walls or outside. And you're like, you want to be this, but it's not who you are. Yeah. And that's where I think that's sort of our version of professional malpractice is when we mm-hmm. don't say like, this feels gross. Like, I don't even believe it. There's no way the marketplace is going to. Yep. I agree. And you guys can feel that when you walk into cultures and companies, when it's like the things you're saying, Mr. Leader, Mrs. Leader, and the things your employees say and believe about you, there's such dissonance. Like you feel that instantly. Those aren't problems marketing agencies can fix candidly. (laughs) They're not. Yeah, exactly. And what... Have you seen any impact on on your business from from the podcast and and kind of being more more vulnerable? Well, I think I hope the people who are close to me would say um, being vulnerable is a pretty natural extension of who I am. I believe really passionately in that. I think it's how we learn. I have this thing that I say that it is our scars and not our achievements that are transferable. Um, you'll most learn from the things that I made mistakes around and the stories around that, the memories that I have and the lessons that I learned than the fact that I got 40 under 40, like who cares? You know, it's not that big of a deal. So that, that I think certainly, I think I feel, um, I keep going back to this, but as a two career household and I grew up with a mom who stayed home, I didn't have a model of what it would look like to be the woman that I am. I, my mom was, is awesome and still is a huge force in my life. But as far as learning how to be able to do this, I've really had to kind of figure it out. And so making that road just a little bit easier, even for just one young woman who's trying to figure it out 
brings my own journey, I think, more meaning. Um, and I think in that, I mean, it's a natural thing for relationships to be formed. It's a natural thing for people to feel like they know you more. And I, I think certainly that will have a halo effect and it has, but I, um, I don't know. I think in this endeavor I, to keep it pure, I don't want to make it too capitalistic. If I'm just being honest about like, this is how much money it has to generate, or this is how much merchandise it needs to sell, or this is how much I just feel like if I'm honest to what I feel like I have to teach that that part will present itself. And so I'm not burdening the project with that right now, um, in an effort to really just stay honest to the message and kind of see where that goes. Yeah. One of the things I love about creating my own content is the ability for me to use some of those lessons with clients too, where, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it is really difficult for um, some companies get it. It's, it's rare, but for you to start an initiative with the goal of we're going to learn, I mean, again, I think executives that get that have so much, um, so many dividends that are paid from that approach, but if they go into it with like, after the first three months, we need to see X number of leads. Like one, we don't even know how the market's going to respond to this, you know, two, um, we might find that this is actually a better medium that's repurposed into our blog content, as opposed to being primarily a podcast. So I think I would agree that that's the right approach. And as an agency owner, I think it's probably fun just to see how you market your own thoughts, um, as opposed to being boxed in. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, Ali. What you just said is like, we don't know. I think you're right. I know I'm wise enough to know that we don't really know. (laughs) And I also don't see it as a short-term project. And so I feel like if I go around and say like, yeah, we need to get three new hires from this, or we need to get two new leads. It's like, I mean, maybe, but I might suck at the beginning too. And so we might just need to get that out, you know? And so I do think when you've been around content creation for a long time, you understand it's complex, it's hard, it's it's like um, relentless because it all, it's like this dragon you have to feed and it is a very creative process. And, and so right now I'm trying to hold to the disciplines of shipping content when I said I would do it and really making sure I'm getting the reps in and listening well to the marketplace about like, what, where does it want to take this to? And you, you just, your count, your reaction was like, it is true. When you're around it all the time, you know, some of these goals are just like kind of fakish. Cause it doesn't work that way. So yeah, you almost like if I know all of us here have applied for like marketing awards and I I'm just, I, sometimes you have to do it because it's a client project, but totally. those, those awards are very, just like, what was your goal in the beginning? And you're like, how can I make up a goal that oh, would have satisfied totally. what my first goal, <laughs> literally totally. the goal, like it was some of the stuff I've done. Like the goal was figure out platform X, Y, Z. Okay. To figure it out, I need to make something on it. What am I going to make on it? And like, uh-huh. that's how you go about it. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited that you're doing that. And I also came from a household where my mom stayed home and as an entrepreneur, I don't have a blueprint for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm always learning from folks like yourself. So I'm, I'm again, excited. You're doing the content that you are. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, and I think goals can be used more like guardrails, right? Cause no one can predict the future. Um, and, and, and I think what, what you've said, what you both have said is, um, it, it's really more important to focus on the journey and the process and let the outcome take, take care of itself. Um, because what if, and, and 
and this will lead to a follow-up question, but but what if that outcome you had in mind was actually shortchanging yourself? What if you were capable of so much more, but you set the bar way too low, um, right? And you focused on that outcome, you achieved it, but what if it could have been more if had you not focused on the outcome? And, and has that has that ever happened to you where where maybe you've you've thought about an outcome and and it, it actually what happened was bigger than what you expected to happen? Well, I'll answer that question in a couple of ways. I think, you know, depending on where you're at in your business, I have the luxury of a of a successful agency that allows for some excess for us to be able to like have some play money. So, you know, like just being really little. And there were seasons in my life in Element Three's journey and where that was not the case. And things had to be very like, I put a dollar into this thing and I got to at least get a dollar twenty-five out. So I really like I want people listening to understand like I'm in a place where I have a little bit of a luxury that I've worked for to have some resources and time to put against this project to really kind of say, I wonder where it can go. So it's not listless in the sense that it has no purpose. I know in my experience, when people get to know me, they like me. When people like me, they want to be part of my world. When people want to be part of my world, they can come work for me. They can come work for my clients. They can come be a client. They like, I know that that's part of my personal X factor. That feels weird to say on a podcast. It's just true. It's how I was made. So how do I extend that? Well, I have four young kids at home. I love so much. And a husband who is on the road all the time or needs to be able to be on the road at a moment's notice. And so going to conferences and speaking on keynote stages and all that kind of stuff is not in the cards from my whole ecosystem of people who have to live in like life beside me. So a podcast is a great channel for that. Well, what do I talk about? I don't really want to talk about marketing. There's a lot of people who do a lot more marketing than I do. I run a business. I run a family. I now help another business. Like that is, I am on three boards. That is what I do. I don't really want to talk about leadership either. I don't know that that's a unique perspective. I don't study leadership. I'm not Jim Collins. Like that, that's not my unique ability. And so I'm like, my unique ability is just the fact that I've figured a lot of really hard things out. And against a lot of statistical odds, here I am. Holy crap. I'm surprised too. So I I think the fact that I'm even at a place where I'm sharing these lessons with more than just my mom and people who work for me feels like a big deal. And to to see where do women take this? We've talked about, could there be events? Are there regional things where we get groups of CEO, you know, two household two career households together. And we talk about what does that mean? And what does fear say to you? And, you know, we literally help people find their fear statements. And is that part of the way I help create significance in other people's lives? It's a totally different journey than something I could have imagined. But what I know is if I stay true to my talents, I stay true to the sort of the things that are in me and I be honest and authentic to the content and allow the listeners to kind of help me steer it, I think cool things will come from that. And I don't know on what timeline, I don't know how long it's going to take, but again, I want to be practical and saying like, it's a luxury I have right now, almost 20 years into this journey that, you know, even five years ago, I wouldn't have had. So sometimes it has to be very coin operated and that's the environment you're in. But when you have a chance, I mean, if you look at what's going on, look at like Yeti, look at some of these consumer brands, they hardly even have their product 
in the, in the commercials anymore because we're tired of being sold to. We have all the specs and recs that you can possibly get your hands on are available on the internet. We're now making brand lifestyle decisions when we buy things. Do I want to be part of what this company stands for? Do I want to be part of what this leadership is behind? It's becoming a totally different game and even in B2B content. And I know that storytelling is what is actually going to get people to engage their attention for the long term into what I'm trying to do in this little pocket of the world in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so, yeah, it's a total long ball. It's not about marketing. It's not about leadership. It's not about anything directly that I'm doing, but all the things I do am a product of who I've become. And if I share about what I've become, I can't not talk about the things that I'm part of. And so it becomes this way of kind of telling both sides of the story. But I think it's, I think learning about somebody's life is more interesting than it is like learning about marketing. So I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I, I, I watch those, I think content trends that are very much set by what we see in our B2C environment. I think B2B is not far behind it. And so celebrities are becoming entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are becoming celebrities. I mean, how many jeans has Khloe Kardashian sold? It's like, she doesn't know anything about denim, but people want to be part of her brand, you know? And so she pretends to know about denim or knows people who know about denim and she sells, you know, and so, and so we ha- we just have to pay attention to that. I think as content creators, it is narrative story that we want to be involved with as consumers of content. Um, and so we've got to think about how to do that differently as B2B brands. So Tiffany, what are some, like, if you going back to kind of the female, um, like I'm just going to say, I personally hate the word female entrepreneur. Cause I'm like, well, we don't call men male entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, why do we do that? That's, <laughs> That's so, so dumb. true. Yeah. Um, but if you were to give advice to, um, you know, a, a younger mom who wants to start a business because they, they are saddled by maybe some of the, the, the fears of, I don't know if I can do this and do that at the same time, you know, what would you either tell yourself or tell them as, as they were kind of exploring this uh, idea? Well, I think that it, um, I think you have to really get clear about why you're doing it first. And then I think it's important that you make sure the people closest to you understand that why, um, because it is going to take from the people who live closest to you, your relationship with your parent. It takes time from your, you know, my ability to go hang out with my mom. It takes time from my ability to invest in my relationship with my husband. It takes time from my kids. It takes time from my friends. Like it's just true. And so making sure that the people around you are there to understand it. Um, I think that has helped me stay committed to the things I wanted to do because they weren't telling me it was okay to stop. And I think that that has helped me on my road. Like I really, I felt in my soul, this is what I was supposed to do and be. And there are days it is really, really hard. And I think the other advice that I would give is just because it's hard, doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And I used to think that like, if it's this hard, I must be doing it wrong I'm, because it, there's no way this is what it takes, but it is what it takes. And I don't say that in a way to say discouraging, to be discouraging. It's about expectation setting and you have to want it really bad because it is going to be really hard. And there's going to be a lot of reasons to stop. And I think there will be more reasons to stop than there are reasons to keep going. Um, 
as far as like the number, but the why, that's why I think your why is so important to it. And I think for some women, it's financial. I think for some women, um, it's about, you know, being able to explore their own talents and be independent. I think for some women, I think everybody's got a little different version of that, but really knowing why you're doing it. And I think, again, like you have to have the support of the people around you. If my husband was not supportive, if my mom wasn't supportive, if my friends weren't supportive, you're kind of looking for one shred of evidence that says you should stop and it would be okay <laughs> because sometimes it really does get that hard. I don't know, Ali, if it's been like that for you, but um, for me, the journey has been so worth it. I'm so glad I stuck in it. I feel like I'm beginning to get to a place where I have some better understanding of some of the things I needed to go through that just have given me a lot of purpose now as I enter my 40s. And I better understand, I think, even bigger ways that I have to like give and contribute. But I didn't have vision to into any of that when I was in my late 20s doing this in my 30s. And I had babies across three different decades, my 20s, 30s, and 40s. And that's a really weird thing. You know, it's a different experience than I expected. Um, but I still expected that I was going to be a mom. And I think that also is something that comes into play very specifically for women is knowing that you do have this biological clock. It's real, whether it's shorter or longer for other women, it's like you feel that pressure and there's no good time in your business to have a baby. I had, and, but if you want to do it, you can, and you just have to figure out how to solve it. So that's where I feel just really compelled. Like as women, it is very hard to find time to mentor a sea of people when you're in the middle of it yourself as a professional and you're still raising your own kids. And so that's, again, going back to scare confident, like we have to be, we have to be willing to export our stories, the whole of them, because it's not enough to walk around with a designer bag and a nice car and like great makeup and say, this is what it looks like to be a professional woman. Like it's, it's not, that's actually very little of it. And so I really want to be sure that people understand the journey is totally worth it if it's the one you're supposed to be on. And I don't want to over glamorize the fact that some of it's really, really hard. What would your advice be, Allie? I would love to know. Well, I've been a entrepreneur for, I mean, I've always had something going on, on the side, but I started my career working full-time for other people. And then consistently finding that I once tried to buy my way into a business, like as a minority owner. And it, it was just an experience that kind of shook me to my core. It went, it did not go well. It, it, it was actually a really, it's a positive thing now that it, that mm -hmm. has happened. But at that point I thought if I'm going to go through this much grief to be a, a very small owner of this company, why don't, why am I not just doing this for myself? So that really prompted me to, to make the decision, but, um, I have, I was a mom very, very young. And so I've always been a mom. I've never mm -hmm. been, I've never been a professional and then a mom I've been a mm -hmm. mom and then a professional. And so I think that's very different because everything I've had to look through, I've had to look through the lens of, I need flexibility. I just constantly need flexibility. So it's, it's allowed me to build a business where I've never expected any employee, male or female to have a set of hours, which is very interesting because I just thought that don't dads pick up their kids too. Like, why do we have this? You have to work till five every day thing. Um, but on the other hand, it's forced me to 
work with a coach to say, I choose to not be at every single one of my son's soccer games because he plays 80 soccer games a year. And I, I cannot run a business and be at every soccer game. It's just not possible. Um, so I think some of those choices, knowing, knowing who to disappoint and when and why is, is the advice that I have taken. And, um, it's hard to say no to your children, but I also know my kids will look at other moms and and say, wait a minute, they don't own a business. They just think that every mom owns a business now. (laughs) And that's how it works. No, I think that's so right. And same with my girls. There's things I'm like, I can do that, but let me help you understand why in the big picture. And these are the things we do have in our circle of experience as a family, because we've chosen that over this and, and helping them understand that it's not that I don't want to be there or, you know, we are like carpool masters and all this kind of stuff. Cause, cause like, Hey, let me explain to you why we're choosing this. And this is the cool stuff that's in our life. Um, and if we, if I would go to like, you know, 80 soccer games, um, then we wouldn't have these things and helping them see you as a person and not their mom. I like talking to my kids that way of like, I need to feel the pride of a good day in the same way that you do like on your tests and schoolwork. And it's my job to be an agent of that in your life. And that's not your job to create, you know, be an agent of that in my life as my kid, but those are the dreams of my heart and helping them understand that we're people. We're not just their parents. Yeah. Plus we run a pretty awesome scrum board at our house of, <laughs> of, of who's going where and doing what and what's for dinner. And I know I've, I've taken a picture of it and I said, there, if there's one lesson you learn when you live in this house, it's that you're always project managing everything. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's also a great lesson to teach them that sometimes you have to just say no to things in order to say yes to other things. So I think that's a great lesson for anyone to learn. I'd love to know what are the ages of you guys as kids? Mine are three and uh, 18 months. Mine are nine and 16. Okay. So I have 13, 10, six and one. So I'm okay. kind of like, yeah, <laughs> spread around you guys. Yeah. 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 Cool. Spanning it, spanning it. Yeah. It's definitely challenging for sure. So, so awesome. Well, I, th- I think we're up on time and I really appreciate Tiffany, you uh, coming on to talk with us. A lot of great things. Uh, you know, I have a lot of other questions I wrote down that <laughs> would love to to ask, but maybe in uh, in a follow up uh, podcast we can go down go down that road. So, so yeah, I really appreciate it. And Tiffany, I just had a conversation with a gal yesterday that um, I will be sending her your podcast. I, it sounds exactly like what she needs, so I can't wait to pass it on. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. I'd love it if you shared it. So that wraps up this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about today's topic or guest, we've got some links for you provided over in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and share your review. That really helps others find the show and get into their network as well. So until next time, I'm Allie. And I'm Travis. And remember, when you get outside of your comfort zone, it just means you're headed in the right direction. Keep an open mind and keep learning. And we're out.